This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Dips inside and hits. Oh, oh, what, a what a goal! Right, that is from Ross Wallace. Chris Waddle, is he going to have a crack? Oh, he does, it's good! Anything Paul Gascoigne can do, Chris Waddle can do. Won by Stephen Fletcher back towards Adam Rich! Oh, Hello and welcome to the Oppo's View, the show where we get to know our upcoming opponents just that little bit better. We've got two away games coming up against Doncaster Rovers and Fleetwood Town. Uh, and with me first to talk about Doncaster is Aaron Challoner. Uh, Aaron, mate, how are you? You all right? Not too bad, not too bad. Just got back from Blackpool actually uh, last night, so uh, quite overtired this morning, but uh, feeling a bit more energy today. So we take on Doncaster this weekend, so it makes sense to talk to you first. Uh, first of all, we'll just go on to you know, recent history of the club. I mean, you only look young, so I'm not. there's no point in me going way back to your time in the conference in the early 2000s. Uh, <laughs> but, but like Rotherham, who we've, we've recently played, uh, obviously, you know, you've been a bit of a yo-yo club, I think it's... You know, easy to say. You know, Championship, League One, also League Two as well. I mean, at least as a as a Donny fan, it doesn't get boring, does it? No, it doesn't get boring. Um, I think when I first started supporting the club in two thousand and four, it was um, you know I've seen some great players playing in the uh, sort of League One, etc. Like your uh, your Michael McIndoes, your uh, your Greg Blundells, etc. I've seen some great players play when got from League Two to League One, and then uh, you know going through League One for a few years, and then getting that promotion to the Championship in way. So I've seen a lot of players come and go. Um, in terms of the last few years, it has been quite um, League One based. It's been quite there was that season in League Two in 2016, 2017. So, um, but before all that, you know, we were never relegated to League Two under our old chairman. Uh, and then we've had eight years that was like it's going to be two relegations to League Two in the space of five years in those eight years of the current board. So, uh, not great, but, um, you know, 
I'm happy to support the club, you know, through it all anyway. Yeah, I mean, obviously last season you had a a, a decent season. I think you finished, did you finish? Um, 14th. Well, for, and it was a season before you finished 6th, didn't you, and got into the, uh, got into the playoffs. It was so. quite a few seasons before us. It was... Um, we finished, I think it was 28, uh, 2018. It was 2018-2019, because I know it was Darren Moore's first year in charge when we had to null and void the season. Um, so it was 2018-2019, sort of around that mark. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you know, now you, sell, you find yourself rock bottom in the league. I mean, what, what's gone wrong from being a, a side that that's, you know, getting into the playoffs, then finishing mid-table? It's, obviously, it sounds like it's a bit of a, been a bit of a decline, but what, you know, what's, can you pinpoint as to what's gone wrong? Well, it says everything you need to know. When this time last year we were tw- uh, second in the league, we were second this time last year, and now we're rock bottom of the league. I think a few people have to be taken account. You, you can't just point it all to one person. Only fans will obviously pointed towards the CEO Gavin Baldwin and the chairman David Blunt and you know Terry Bramall and you know all the people that are running the club. I think there's a few people that have to take responsibility for the downfall. One of those people is Richie Wellens, because I think when he was appointed in the summer, there was a bit of optimism around a formal player taking charge. Um, but for me, I just, I don't think he had the right tactics. I don't think he had the right sort of uh, level of knowledge to get the right group of characters in to completely rebuild this squad. Um, and it did feel quite like, uh, I mean, we weren't expecting to win the league this year. We were expecting some more solidarity, but because um, we were told 2022 was the year of aspiration. Um, so for us, it was like, well, 2022 is going to be the year that we hopefully get towards the championship again, but 2021 is about building. So for us, it just felt like, you know, just try and get through this season as best we can. Let's see where we finish and build from there. Little did we know it was all going to fall apart, but I think the blame goes beyond Richie Wellens. I think, I wouldn't say Darren Moore has to take responsibility. I think he just left at a bad time and got a better offer. And, you know, I think for me, that's down to the board for not putting up a better fight to keep Darren Moore because we should have had a clause in this contract which guarantees us either a sum of money or some kind of compensation that's bigger than what we got for Darren Moore because the compensation clearly wasn't a lot if if we're not putting the money to good use, in my opinion. So... Yeah, I wouldn't say Darren Morris has taken responsibility. I think he just followed his career path, basically. Yeah. Well, the board has to take at least 50% of the responsibility because they're the ones who are running the club. Yeah, I mean, before we do talk about Darren Morris, so we'll get on to that. Like, in terms of like personnel, has there been a big personnel change? Are the, are the players not good enough? Because obviously, it, I'm guessing you haven't had a massive overhaul. They were good enough to get you... You know, to second in the league last season, so that was. Oh the no, difference. there was quite a big. There was a quite a big overall. There was, oh, a, right, quite, okay. there was quite a big overall. So we had loads of players from the season before. Yeah, Coppinger retiring first of all. This is our first season we had James Coppinger in about eighteen years. So for, you know, there was immediately an expectation and a trouble for for that anyway. The uh, Kilo going to Port. Uh, Poland, uh, we had Joe Wright's contract going out. Basically, the, the problems start when you when you leave all these players, your Andy Butlers, your Jason Aquilos, even players that didn't really turn up towards the second half of last season, they were still being allowed to go for free. So we weren't really bringing any money in from player sales. We were relying on off-pitch stuff like events and the foundations in the club, Doncaster, etc., to bring the money in rather than selling players on rather than 
you know, just releasing them on a free. We should be getting trying to get our money for these players. So for me, that's where the problem started. So we've got this huge squad overhaul. And bearing in mind every single year, pretty much, we were rebuilding a squad. Grant McCann leaves, complete rebuild under Darren Moore. Darren Moore leaves this season, complete rebuild. About, what is it, like a dozen new players this summer? Mm. Um, you know, it just feels like every year is rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. How are we supposed to get any consistency as a football club with every year being a rebuild? So, for one, the squad gets overhauled every year, so that didn't help one bit. And the wrong characters being brought in as well. Some of the players that we brought in just weren't good enough this season. Yeah. Um, in terms of staff overhauls, Adam Henschel, who was our tight recruitment, you know, people didn't rate him because of the short-term recruitment and the, you know, massive influx of low knees and short-term options. You know, he goes to Aston Villa. You know, he does great at Aston Villa, what he does. We bring in Graham Younger, who, you know, with his recruitment, got Cardiff promoted to Premier League a few years back. You know, we all thought on the face of it, could do something. Summer recruitment was poor. General recruitment a lot better, but some of those signings just aren't turning up on the pitch. So we do have to question it a lot more now. So Graham Younger is talent identification heads. I think that, for me, is another question. You know, I don't dismiss the guy. I think he's a great guy. I spoke to him a couple of times. But for me, I just... I don't know. Maybe it was just the wrong people. Maybe it was just the wrong personnel. Maybe Wellens gave him the targets and he brought and he identified them and brought them in. So, um, you know, it might have passed to do with the manager. But in terms of overhauls, apart from a massive squad rebuild and a new talent identification head and a couple of academy coaches, etc., not really much. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it, yeah. Better do my research <laughs> a little bit better next time. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Darren Moore then. Let's, uh, let's talk about him. Obviously, someone you know very well. What was your initial reaction then when you found out that it was uh, that it was leaving? Because I must admit, it was a bit of a shock to us. I was I was aghast by the timing of the shock because uh, there was there was links to Sheffield Wednesday for months, but it sort of went quiet for a couple of months. So I thought it was wasn't going to go anywhere. He'd focus on you know us and trying to get us into that top six finish, and then and you know I'm not saying where I heard this from or where I got this from but I heard that Daryl Moore knew he was going before he managed us against Ipswich so he still took charge of the Ipswich game and then left after we lost 2-1 and to be fair looking back on that game what about about a year later nearly a year later you could see that Daryl Moore was leaving because the players on the pitch just weren't playing for him in that second half against Ipswich last 10 minutes when we need to get an equaliser no one's making forward runs just standing still playing stagnate football and it felt like Darren Moore wanted to go and the players knew he was going and didn't bother trying so it kind of started to click and put two and two together now Yeah, I mean, so what, for me it was, it was the timing of the uh, sack, uh, the, the leaving that shocked me because I, mean, uh, I was a bit surprised they didn't stay at least to the end of the season and help us yeah I mean what were the feeling like amongst the fans do you, do you all hate him or what's, what's it like it I think it was an overall sense of shock, but um, I think it. So for some people, it drew a similar reaction to Grant McCann, where it's like he's a snake, he's this, this, and that, because that's now two managers that have left us when we could have built on something. Because Darren Moore got us to eighth the season before the season was null and void for COVID nineteen, so we could have built on that if we if we played those games in hand and won them, and other people around us dropped points, we would have been in those playoffs again. Yeah. So, for me, the downfall started after that null and void season because it felt like we had the positives, you know, throughout the season. Then he leaves, and we go on this downward spiral that's continued into now. So, 
I think people called him a snake. I think people called him this, this, and that. But you know, it, it, it just felt it, the overall reaction was shock because it's now two managers that have left us at a point where they could have built something. But you know, again, I, I put into question why we haven't kept these managers from big offers and why we haven't got con- kind of compensation in their contracts. Yeah, I mean, onto your, onto your manager now, uh, Gary McSheffrey uh, was appointed fairly recently. Obviously, he's played for you briefly back in 2016. Um, now, he's come up through from the under-18s, I do believe. Is that right? Mm, um, yeah. Then, what, what did you think when he was appointed? Did you think it's the right appointment or <laughs> is it just another another one? Another yes, man. Um, I wanted to see the positives. I really did because Gary McSheffrey had a buzz about him. I think people, you know, coaches and people from Club Doncaster were telling me for ages, as soon as Gary McSheffrey came in the door at the under-18s, there was, a, there was a buzz about him. So it felt positive, but on the face of it, it just felt like one of those options. Like, especially when you spend four weeks interviewing over 140 people with Premier League and international experience, and you go for a man who's got no experience at senior level, and is an in-house appointment. Now, an in-house appointment on the one hand, might be a good one and it'll, we'll see in league well it looks like we're going to go to league two next season uh, I'm not going to put any doubts about that or not we are going down to league two I've got no hope of staying up now um, after Saturday um, Gary McSheffrey could be the man to take us up but he needs proper backing like he did in January that's what that's where the ball come into it but on the other hand this is nothing against Gary McSheffrey and I think a few fans have noticed this on the other hand, it'd be a cheap option. It'd be the cheapest way possible because there was rumours and murmurings from fans that Nigel Atkins was at the stadium when we were before we were about to make an appointment. There were rumours of Mick McCarthy having an interview. There was rumours of all these different people, you know, talking to the club. And yet we go for our under-18s manager. People said it screams not spending enough money on a manager to actually want to stay up. People said that, you know, people feel like the board want us to go down to League Two because then we can save more money and build it towards Club Doncaster, which is their self-sustainable business. But I don't know. It just, I wanted to see the positive, but I feel sorry for McSheffrey because we've been thrown to a, a tank full of sharks, to be honest. Yeah, it sounds like it. Now, let's get, let's get on to your, to your recent form. Um Last six, you know, he had a he had a win against the MK, uh, defeats against Plymouth and Rotherham. You did beat Sunderland, but then you know lost Ipswich, and then most recently a four 0 defeat against Portsmouth. Um, I mean, it looks like when you get beat, you get you get beat heavily as well. I mean, I see you now. You look a bit uh, probably. Like you don't want to talk about your your recent form. Is there any? Is there any hope? I mean, there must have been a bit of hope after after the Sunderland game, surely. After the Sunderland game, there was a feeling that maybe if we built on it, but after this week, no, just just no. Sunderland was like a one-off. You know, we beat Sunderland for the first time in our history in the league. Great, that's a one-off memory. Spoil their party. <laughs> he spoiled their party and we were like you know what that's a, a one-off memory goodbye league one we'll see you down there <laughs> that was uh, the feeling after after this week Sunderland was just a goodbye league one we'll take this memory with us no, no positive no positive like things to come from your recent games you know it did, um, it did sound like a bit of a, a tall collapse at the, at the weekend um, apart from Sunderland me. apart from Sunderland and the winner MK Dons no. no nothing Plymouth Again, second half, Plymouth just took advantage of the fact we had no energy in our legs. Um, Rotherham, 
we just got battered, plain and simple. No one turned up in a derby. No one gave any thought or passion. No leaders, just man children. Then we win at Sunderland. Gives me a bit of optimism. Ipswich, again, second half, we just didn't have the match fitness to compete with them. And then Saturday, first half, if Dudu didn't hit the post and actually hit the back of the net, then we would have got a goal to take into half time. And then second half, Portal just ran riot and we just collapsed like we always do in the second half with no one fighting back, no one giving a damn. Yeah, I mean, what's your what's your expect? I mean, it sounds silly asking what your expectations now. You've already said that you you expect them to to go down. But what what was your expectation at the start of the season? I mean, surely you must have thought you know we've got a decent chance of perhaps you know getting in the top half of the top top half of the table, potentially challenging for the playoffs. Maybe would that be would that be fair to say? Yeah, when we were told twenty twenty two is the year of aspiration, I was happy with something between. Um, between 6th and 14th, something, or at least 13th, you know, yeah. finish higher than we did last season, six and th- between 6th and 13th. And that's gone right out the window from the first day of the season. Yeah, you, d- you didn't have a great start, did you really? And it, it's, yeah, it's, it, it must be tough being a, being a Doncaster fan at the moment. Honestly, I was speaking to fans that have been supporting the club for decades that have been through the old Ken Richardson era from 1998 when the stadium got the stand got burnt down we had the on-pitch funeral at Colchester when we kicked out the football league you know people remember that season and how the club could have gone out of business that year in 98 people say the squad now is worse than that squad and it feels just as bad as it did in the Richardson era when people are saying that when they've been there and seen it you know something at the club is wrong. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, obviously, you know we've got to come onto the uh, onto the game on on Saturday and look look ahead to that one. Um, obviously, we've come to your place. In terms of like the the, the playing style, the formation that that um, McSheffrey likes to play, what would you say? How would you describe that? Um, to be honest with you, I personally feel like. Gary McSheffrey wants to play attacking football. He wants to play with the stuff along the ground. And when it works, it does work. It, it, in terms of formation, sometimes he'll go four at the back. Sometimes he'll go three, four, one, two. Sometimes he'll go five, two, three or five, three, two or something like that. Is he like just that. trying to find his best side at the moment? Is that, is that what he's it feels exper- like? He's, experiment- he's experimenting in a period where we need consolidation. We need something we know is set and we know it's going to work. But Gary McSheffrey's experimenting, and this just reaffirms my point that I believe the club don't want to stay up and they want to go towards League 2 next season and try and build from there. Um, like I said, it's usually between 4-3-3 or sometimes one off 4 3 one which has never worked under two other managers, so I don't know why we do that. But it's usually a 4-3-3 or a 3-4-1-2. Um, and it's... Like I said, when it works on the ground attacking football going forward, it works. But sometimes when we're not playing our best, we'll just play sideways, we'll go backwards, no players find their options going forward. And it just looks like a on-the-ball mess. Yeah, I mean, obviously we, we, we played you earlier on in the season. Um, I mean, to be honest, I thought it was quite an even game. Um, yeah, to, up to, until the 70th minute. Yeah, when an absolute wonder strike from Barry Bannon. Um, you know, he doesn't normally do that, to be fair. Obviously, we know how good, <laughs> good of a player he is. Uh, and then obviously a goal from Adena and, you know, two goals in three minutes. I mean, what, what, did, you, what did you make of that game? You know, can you cast your mind back that far? <laughs> oh, back when we weren't in any trouble. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, like I said, the first, you know, the first sort of 60, 65 minutes, I thought we were even, we were even the match for Wednesday. And then the two goals go in and we just fall apart and we hopefully, fingers crossed, didn't, you know, concede any more goals. So, um, you know, we're quite happy keeping it 2-0 and just seeing the game out after that point. So, um, for me, it was just, you know, apart from the first 65 minutes, the other 20-odd were just a complete collapse. Yeah. In terms of on, on Saturday, of course, um, any players to watch that we, that we need to look out for? <laughs> for, the, for those listening, uh, Aaron's just did a massive sigh uh, <laughs> when he asked that I question. I don't know if there is a player to watch at the moment. I just feel like every player's had their bad spots. Um, in terms of the best player, in terms of the most threatening going forward, I'd say Josh Martin uh, on loan from Norwich. I think that he's done more in two months than what other players have done in about six, seven or eight months, which yeah. is embarrassing for some of those, you know, aging pros. But Josh Martin, for me, when you give him the ball, I think he's got a great threat going forward. But when he hasn't got the ball and he hasn't been given service, there's nothing really to work with for me. Josh Martin, for me, is our most creative player. Um, and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You know, and I think he can work the ball quite well. He can take opposition on, he can skill them round, curl it in, do whatever. But only if you give him the service. There's, a, you know, there's the obvious examples. Tommy Rowe leads by example as a captain sometimes. I feel like, you know, he's one of the players that's up for it. I spoke to him before the match last week. Uh, we were last playing it eco-power and he said you know he's up for the fight things like that against Ipswich but um, we'll just see if that comes a reality um, but apart from really Rowan Martin I think every other player has just had their 50-50 seasons to be honest yeah I mean uh, obviously before we uh, we let you go Aaron mm. um, I have to nail you down to a prediction I have to do it unfortunately <laughs> so uh, w- what do you uh, what do you see happening on, on Saturday but before you do, before you make your prediction all I can say is every Wednesday fan that's listening to this podcast right now will be thinking don't worry Aaron we'll give you three points because that's what normally happens when we come against uh, when, we, when we come against teams that can't buy a win I'll give you a stat from the, from the weekend game losing 4-0 against Portsmouth. That was the first time we lost at their stadium since 2011. We've always won at that stadium since 2011 or 2013, whatever day it was. So you are going to beat us. I'm going to go with probably a 2-0 Sheffield Wednesday win. A 2-0 Sheffield win. Cheers, Aaron. Um, where can we find you, Aaron, on all the socials and your YouTube channel, etc.? 
Uh, so you can find me on two YouTube channels. Uh, you can find me first of all on Chal Sports, uh, which is focusing on Doncaster Football Club and also the NBA basketball. Uh, so if you are a basketball fan, then please do check me out. Um, British fan talking about NBA is always uh, fun stuff. And uh, you can also find my theme park news and interviews channel, Coaster Chow, uh, on YouTube as well. You can also find me on Instagram at Aaron Chowner Official, double A-R-O-N-C-H-A-L-L-O-N-E-R Official. And uh, obviously Aaron underscore uh, Chowner on Twitter uh, as well. So uh, please go and find me on there. Magic. Aaron, I'll get all the uh, all the links if you want to send me them. I'll put them in the show notes below as well, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers, Aaron. Thanks for that, mate. Cheers. Now, I'm joined by Ben, who goes by the name of Cod's Vlogs on YouTube to talk all about Fleetwood. How are you, Ben? You all right? I'm very well, mate. Um, again, looking forward to, uh, to this chat and, you know, talking about Fleetwood, which I've not really enjoyed doing this season. But again, looking forward to the game on Tuesday and uh, a big game for both sides, I think. Yeah, of course. Now, I always like to talk a bit about like the, the history and what have you. Obviously, going way back, 1997, you were in the ninth tier of the Football League. We were playing the likes of Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea. Fast forward 25 years and you've had three titles, seven promotions, and you find yourself in League One. And obviously, you've been there since the 14-15 season. I mean, you must be proud. Obviously, I'm sure you can't remember way, way back then, but you must be proud that you know such a relatively small club to to be where you are now. Absolutely, and you know to get out to even be you know, get into the national league and then get out of the national league into the football league was a huge, you know, a huge you know beneficial for the football club. And you know, you know, a new main stand, you know, at a five thousand capacity ground to be you know in the third tier of English football. Um, again, Andy Pilly took over way back when, you know, when we had 80 fans, we're now getting 3,000 3, fans on a regular basis. You know, we've got a, a nice little you know, bar at the ground, we've got an £8 million training facility, we've got you know, everything that you want to be a, a good, well-run football club, you know, a decent you know, youth academy that we've been able to sell players from and um, you know, help fund the football club. Yeah, I mean, where do you where do you see Fleetwood as have been like? I'm sure, you know, championship is that that's not out of the realms, is it? Really, to be fair. No, and two years ago we were so close to that we got to the playoffs, and if you know that season didn't get hindered by you no know, COVID nineteen, I still believe that we might have had a go at top two. You know, we were twelve unbeaten, we won six, drew six. We were playing teams like Rotherham, you know, getting good results against him. We played um, away at Portsmouth, you know, got a point, beat them at home. We beat Wickham away. We beat, um, I mean, we got a good point out to Coventry. You know, we were beating Peterborough at home, so we we're getting really good points against the top opposition in League One. Um, we had favourable fixtures left, so um, I still believe maybe you know in three or four years we could have another look at it. But I think getting through this year and staying in League One is the main aim, really. If we want to have that dream. Yeah, I just want to talk about your manager as well, of Stephen Crane. I mean, like Gary McSheffrey at Doncaster, he's, he's, he's promoted from within and come from your from your youth setup. Um, I mean, what were your thoughts when when he was made permanent manager? Um, well, he was in interim boss at first. He did a really good job, and I felt like he deserved his deal until um, the end of the season. I thought that was a well a well moved. You know, he's, he's worked with a lot of our young players that he had available to him at the time, like to Paddy Lane, Kian Hayes. Um, Mattetti, um, you know, Jed Garner. So um, I did think it was a good move because he knew what players need, how they, what motivates them. So there was that like no getting to know period. 
um, like you would get with another manager. So I was happy with the appointment, you know, and so far four wins, six draws, four defeats. It's not a bad turnaround from a side that only won three and 17 prior to that and we're on, you know, a losing streak. Yeah, is, is, is like your thoughts kind of echoed by the rest of the fan base as well or is everyone kind of happy with, with that appointment? Yeah, I think some might would have liked to go a bit more ambitious like a Neil Harris, like a Gilles have done but I think you've got to be smart with your money and I also think that, you know, I, I don't think anyone else could do any better with this squad that we've got currently. We've got loads out injured. We've got a very small squad, a very young squad. I think the squad is a weak squad in in little places as well. Um, you know, the pitch is dreadful, as we mentioned, you know, off, off recording. So I think, and no one else, you know, would do any better. We've seen that with Simon Grayson. I think Joey Barton got towards the end of his tether with it and, you know, couldn't do it. So I think Simon Grayson is that man that has taken on the opportunity and he's got on with it and, you know, got us some vital points on the board so far. I mean, obviously, this will be our only our second meeting between between the two clubs. Obviously, the first meeting was at Hillsborough very early on in the in the season. If we can cast our uh, cast our mind back, then I mean, it ended with uh, us beating you in a you know one nil win. Gregory got the goal, a bit of a poacher's goal, really. I mean, what what were your assessment of of that that game? Well, like I said it was uh, I think it was what the third game of the season. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, and it, I thought that game. I thought you were the better side. You created better chances. I still thought you were. Uh, a way off where you needed to be and you know you're putting a lot of good balls into the box no one was there didn't think you put your chances away and you didn't really create many clear cut chances uh, for those that can you know you know, do special things on the ball you know like the Barry Bannons and the Lee Gregory's so I think that's been the story of your season where you've just been, maybe not been able to find that goal where you've probably drawn a lot of your games this season so um, I expected you know you to be the better side than you did. I've watched a couple of times in your season. I came to the Bolton game. I thought you were the better side um, in the second half. I thought um, you know you had an obvious game plan what you wanted to do and you stuck to it well. Um, I thought you you did well when you switched formation. You wasn't playing it out from the back because it just looked a bit of a circus at times when you were doing yeah. that. Um, and now you've changed it back. I think you look a lot lot better and a lot stronger. And you know you're on you know decent settle at the minute taking away. No Sunday's game away at home to Rotherham. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, like it's going into your recent form. I mean, all right, you've you've not won in your last six. Obviously, two defeats and and four draws. It, what, what's the what have the performances been like? Because obviously, when you're down, when you're down near the bottom, sometimes obviously, yeah, you do need the points, and you you know that they're vitally important. But sometimes you can take heart from the performances and and actually the way that you the way that you're playing and. Uh, but, what what have your performances been like in those those recent games? Spot on, and they were poor under Grayson towards the end, and that's when you knew it was the beginning of the end, and that's why we got rid of him. Uh, whereas Erlings, we were playing well, and thus not getting the rub of the green. We have been okay, we've been spirited, we've not given up. You know, three one down at home to Plymouth, we got it back to three three. You know, with the last few minutes of the game, but MK Don is a good point at home, Shrewsbury away, so we are getting ones regular basis. Performance on Saturday was the worst I've seen and since supporting the football club. It's definitely up there uh, with a couple of I've seen, if not the worst. Uh, we've lost 5-1 this season away from home, away at Arkansas, and that was way worse on Saturday. Um, we've just got to keep keep our heads up and, again, keep the points on the board. We're lucky at the minute that Morecambe, Crew, Doncaster, Jills, they are, they, they are poor sides at the bottom that are luckily giving us that little bit of an opportunity. But I don't think we'll get that opportunity for too long. This, this is the worry. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it now. Obviously, you're 19th, two points ahead of the of the drop zone. 
I mean, all the teams down there are struggling. You know, like you just mentioned, you know, uh, I mean, I think Gillingham are the only side to have registered two wins in the last uh, five, six games. I think Doncaster, the only other side to have even registered a win out of the bottom six clubs. So, you know, I'm guessing, you know, points are, are vitally important, aren't they? Because I mean, you've you've been down there for 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 much of the season. I mean, I'm just looking. I think the the highest that you've uh, the highest that you've been is is around like 18th in the in the season. It must be tough as well when you when you scrap it away for for every single point at the bottom. Yeah, I said to you at the start of the year, I think we'll struggle, and, and you know, I think we, we played the first three games at Portsmouth, Lincoln, and Sheffield Wednesday, and each three sides said, "I don't know how you've come away without." without at least a point in that. And that's been the story of the season, but you've got to be at points on the board. That is what you, you remember. You don't remember your performances. You remember how many points you got and how you were successful. Then then you'll go, ah, that win there, that, that, that they come they come the last bit. So um, I think we've just got to start winning games of football um, and I think we've got to put, put that right. But um, on our day, I think we can beat anyone. But for me, it, it has been a tough, tough season. But... You know, we're young players with so many injuries. It all started at Sheffield Wednesday away when Irish and Allgate. Um, I know Brad Allen, sorry, got injured when running towards the corner. He pulled his hamstring. It all started to go downhill from then, really. I mean, you've already kind of touched on your expectations now, obviously, just to just to survive in in League One. But but what were your expectations at the start of the season? You've just touched on there that you, you know you thought you were going to struggle, but did did you kind of see that no, the way you are now? Is that is that kind of what you thought was going to happen this season? Well, I predicted us 20th at the start of the season, just in front of Morecambe, and I bottled it, really, because I thought, up to pre-season, I thought we'd get into that last place. I thought, we didn't have enough goals, and we didn't have enough creativity. Now, the start of the year, we had loads of goals, but no defence, and I thought it would be the absolute opposite. And then, obviously, Jed Garner got injured, Morton got sent back. Um, Callum Camp doesn't as prolific as we would have liked him to be. Um, and just the goals just a little bit dried up, unfortunately, for us. So... Um, I did think we'd be in this situation, but it's been a hell of a ride with loads of goals, loads of conceded, loads of last-minute comebacks, loads of last-minute goals against. Um, it's just been one of those, but I definitely didn't expect where we would be now. I mean, how would you describe your, your playing style? Obviously, now the you know Stephen Crane is coming. Has he kind of stamped his authority on the side? I know you're playing in a different way to what you were playing before. Um, yeah, we're a lot more on the floor now, and a lot more trying to get it down to the, you know, down down to the sides, move the ball, and get the ball into the box if we can. You know, get set pieces as well. Um, under Grayson, we're a bit a bit more uh, long, direct, trying to get the ball as forward as we can, get the balls get cross into the box. And Plan A was very good under Simon Grayson, but there was no Plan B. I think we've got a bit more of a a, a Plan B under Stephen Craney. Um, we're a bit more energetic. We're a bit more. You know, three under Crane, Grayson, we were one formation, that will be it. Crane will change it around three or four different times in the game. So he's creative, expansive, and you can get you on the edge of your seats at times. Is it difficult to do that, though? Because, I mean, I watched the highlights of the MK Dons game and the pitch. I mean, where some need to talk because our pitch looks awful at the moment. But, I mean, it was a bit of a mud bath in that in that MK Dons game last week. Surely that's, you know, you're getting the ball down on the deck and playing good football. I mean, Darren Moore's already spoken about the other day that the that our pitch is a concern for the type of football that we want to play. If you, if you want to get the ball down and play it, like I said, you, you, that must be a, a bit of a concern. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes you have to, you know, change your approach. I think we that's why we maybe struggled a bit of late. And, you know, that game should never have gone ahead last Tuesday, really. With them, you know, it was absolutely waterlogged. Uh, it is a little bit better than that, but it's not much better. And um, normally our pitch is one of the best in League One as well. And it's been 
you know, a bit due to COVID. I think they've, you know, cheapened off on it. I think every club really in League One and League Two yeah. have maybe not gone as expensive as they would do on the pitch. And it's, you know, it's in this season and a lot of, you know, Burton's, yourselves and us um, have all got dodgy pitches at the moment. So um, it is tough, but I don't care what pitch we play on. I just want to score, score a goal, keep a clean sheet, win 1-0 and hopefully stay up. But at the minute, it's going the opposite way, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, in terms of players to watch then, um, I've picked one person out, Danny Andrew. I mean, play, plays at the back, but he's got six goals and six assists. I mean, he looks like a key a key player for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Free kick, left-hand side, just outside the box. There's always danger. He's scored a lot of free kicks this season. You know, Lincoln <clears throat> away, Rotherham away, uh, Wigan at home. Um, again, um, during games, he's quite good as well. Good cross with a ball, you know, can, you know, kind of a pop shot and drive within. Um, and, you know, he's a, he's a decent player. I think you've also got to look at Ellis Harrison, who's just been signed. I think Paddy Lane, who is a winger, he's got eight assists and four goals this season as well. He's been brilliant of late. He's got three and four goals, three and four. There's a possible um, Northern Ireland call-up uh, beckoning for him as well. Yeah, I mean, is there any other players that we need to that we need to look out for, Ben? Oh, Say what we've said. We said our three good players. I don't. I try and think of a fourth. It's a bit tough at the minute. Um, I think. I think there's. You know. There's always. There's always a couple. I think you've got to look at Shade and Morris, who's very quick when he when he's given the chance. I think the pitch has been a victim of him not playing as much as he would like. I think Kianes has been bright when uh, when when we've seen him. And uh, we've got a lot of young players as well. I think uh, Zach Jules at the back has been you know rock solid as well. So you know, Alex Ken is a good goalkeeper. Um, as well, and you know, Harrison Biggins is a, a Sheffield Wednesday Boyard fan. Um, again, and, you know, he, he made his dream come true out by playing uh, at Hillsborough. I think the season he actually did play for you, really. Yeah, I mean, I think there've been a couple more players on the, on that list, but you, you lost a couple of your best players uh, in that January transfer window. I mean, how much has that affected you? He has. Uh, losing Callum Morton was a big loss for me. He's only on loan. Just losing that physical presence up front. You know, Hill was... We, we lost him in November, really, so we kind of got used to it because he didn't play due to injury. Then we didn't want to risk him getting injured to damage the fee that we were going to get. Um, I think also losing uh, Matetti was a big loss, but I think, you know, with Harvey Macadam coming in um, from, from non-league as well, where a lot of our players have come... Uh, from this season or our youth academy, I think he he can slot in and do a job till the end of the year. But we've got two and a half million quid for Billy Quill, and you also went to uh, Everton, Matetti, uh, and Hill all together. So it's good money for the football club to you know help us keep us afloat till the end of the season. Really, is is that kind of the um, like, like the, how the club operates? Then you know, bringing the young players in, uh, developing them, and then moving them on for. Yeah for decent money and is that something that you're as a football club and yourself as a fan that, you, that you're happy with yeah I think any way that I've got a football club to support you know I, we were a bit of a bankroll club before COVID we, we were playing big wages silly money really and now we've reined it in and we've got our own coming through the system selling them on and then seeing the future you know, you know look at the Vardy situation where we got money from playing for England we've got that in you know uh, James Hill's contract, I would guess, as well. So uh, we can get money just from not just from selling them, but for how they do. If they win promotion, if they play so many times, and there's loads of money to be earned from that as well. So anywhere that I've got a football club to support, I will back Andy Pilly all the way. And um, it's just good to see the football club um, hopefully one day survive on its own two feet without you know a, a millionaire owner. Yeah, I mean, in terms of obviously uh, Tuesday's game, we've sold all our tickets uh, as as per usual. Obviously, for all those that are listening that are, that are going to be travelling uh, 
up to Fleetwood. Where's the best place for them to go then for a for a pre-match pint, Ben? In in my opinion, obviously you've got you know pubs away from the ground. There's a pub actually within the ground, and it's called Jim's Bar. And they let away fans in. It's free to get in. Two pounds a pint as well. You know, on different types of beer like lagers, ciders. You know, there's a, there's a DJ playing. You know, you know good hits as well. You no know, home fans mixing with away fans. You've got you know, you know cheap food being sold as well. And uh, it's a, it is a really good uh, away bar. Is, in my opinion, not being bad. It is the best bar um, in League One. And if you ask any League One fan that have been in there, they'll you know, they'll speak highly about it. And I do recommend it. And you know, two pound two pound a pint. Uh, you, you just go up to the bar and accidentally, you know, buy yourself four or five at a time, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that'll be uh, happening when we when we come over. Now, uh, before I let you go, Ben, I, I just want to, as always, I need to nail you down to a to a score prediction if uh, if I can. What? Go, let's go with your head and go with your heart because I'm I'm sure there'll be uh, that be two different uh, different ones there. If I'm honest with you, I think it's the same one actually, mate. I think it'll be a one-one draw. I think. Uh, that is a bit towards my heart going towards my head. I think you love a draw. I think the pitch could damage you, like you said before the stream. Um, and I also think that we like a draw as well. And I think um, it'll be a good battle, but a one-one draw. Fantastic. Now, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us, Ben. Now, where can where can everyone find you, Ben, on all your socials, YouTube channel, etc. Um, over on Cod's vlogs again. I do League One content. I, I do match day vlogs, and there'll be one after. At the Wednesday game as well, but again, be discussing the two teams, how the game went on, you know, the key moments from the game, um, and yeah, all that jazz. And where we can find you on Twitter? Uh, FTFC Nappers, mate. Fantastic. Now, thank you for uh, taking the time to speak to us, and obviously for those listening, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. If you have enjoyed the show, then don't forget to leave us a rating or a review. Uh, but more importantly, tell your friends, family, get you know, get in your group chats. Make it we've made it super simple uh, to share the podcast as well with your only friends and, and family. All you need to do is just share the URL. It's just WTI d.co.uk and that'll take them straight to the podcast. It's simple as that. So, uh, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you all next time. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable no, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.